Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 211. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is sponsored by Frogtown Brewery, an independent craft brewery and tap room located in Northeast Los Angeles. Stop in and enjoy one of their excellent beers from their ever-changing, diverse menu. Tell them that Inside the Desert Oasis Room sent you and get your first pint on us. Limitations apply. For more information, go to frogtownbrewery.com and follow them on social media at Frogtown Brewery. Today we chat with bartender mixologist Sonny Esponda. Sonny is the winner of the first ever Tropical Shakedown cocktail competition, which earned him a trip to this year's Tiki Oasis. On this episode, we chat on all topics cocktails, mixology, the hospitality and service industry, and more. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you'd like to follow our adventures, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash polynesianpop where we chronicle events, bars, travel spots, cocktail tutorials, and more. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash polynesianpop, where membership grants you early access to podcasts and videos, front-of-the-line privileges to new merch releases, as well as exclusive content, meetups, and screen credits. All righty, let's get into this. Grab a cocktail and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. And give it up for my friend, Sonny Esponda. What's happening, Sonny? Yo, yo, yo. How we doing? I'm good. How are you? Chilling. Vibing with the weekend. Trying to just relax. Do my thing on the grind. I love it. Love it. Staying busy. Always. You got to. You got to. I'm excited to have you inside the Desert Oasis room now. Thank you. Thank you. So for our listeners that don't know, I met Sonny at Tropical Shakedown. He was one of the contestants in this Don Papa rum competition where you guys were competing for a spot and a trip at Tiki Oasis. Yes. And uh, how many people were in that? There were about five or six all day, I believe. So five or six people. I thought there was total. more than that. Because there is... No, well, the when you were entering the ingredients for the... Before you got into it, there was like a bunch of people to get picked. Oh, there was a bigger, yeah. there was a bigger competition. Yeah. And so, so this the first was the, round. this was the yeah. finals, right? Yeah. So I didn't get to go to the first one. I actually didn't even know about it. I was just there for the finals. The first one. So what I was told was 
it was picked amongst them the I don't know the ambassadors or the higher ups and the dope pop room company. Gotcha. But I did know that it got sent to people in New York and people all over. All right. And that they picked you, and then once you made the final contestants, you were going to the final round basically. And there at the final round was about a, about six people, I believe. Right. Right. So your cocktail. It was damn good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You know, and no, it's funny that you say that because I was telling my business partner that I felt like we didn't even perfect it yet at that. Well, so I'll say this: it was more. It was okay. How do I say this without? I mean, it was perfect at Tiki Oasis. Like you fine tuned it. Yes. Oh, my friend, I was. It got. It's funny because it sold out right after the. Because we had it at my restaurant, what the okay. restaurant I work at. Yeah. And it sold out, but I was still telling, I was still saying, you know, it could be better. So when I had to make it for Tiki Oasis, I was like, all right, this has to be like next level. Yeah. And it, and it was, I mean, it was like, it was the same cocktail, but it just was, it was like finely tuned, you know? So... Let's talk about the competition real quick because there were some really good cocktails there, right? This was for Don Papa. Everybody was using Don Papa cocktails. The idea was that you were going to present their brand or their product in such a way that, you know, does the cocktail, enhance the rum, can you taste it in the drink and all that kind of stuff. And then also, you know, it was presentation and it was and it was creativity and all that kind of stuff, right? The things that we would normally expect from uh, craft mixologists. And there were some really good cocktails. There are a lot of a lot of cocktails there with the Filipino flavors with the ube and that sort of thing. And they were all really good. But what made yours really just stand out was the extra detail that you put into it, right? The story. Uh, all of the extra elements that were kind of handmade by you, right? Like the little potion jar with the bitters in it, which was made like an optional thing for you. If you wanted to add the bitters, you could. If you didn't, you didn't have to. But it also added to the presentation, right? The way that it was tied and hung on the side of the glass, the way you cut the the banana leaf with the little, uh, was it like a gecko? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, so it had a gecko on there. And and then everything else, right? The whipped cream and, and, and the, the coconut and everything else, right? So it just was a step above everybody else's. and Which was kind of like, here's the thing. It, it was a close competition. It would have been really tough to pick one if not for one that really stood out, which was yours, mm-hmm. right? And I especially love the background story and the little thing that you wrote up that you handed out to all the judges. So for those who don't know, I was one of the judges, so that's how I was able to experience all of this. And the way that you presented it, too, the way that you, you when you presented the drink and served the drink and you presented the story and all of that kind of stuff, you just had that extra step that the others didn't have. So really good cocktail, we got to enjoy that also at Tiki Oasis. I don't know how many I had. <laughs> no, I the so I did all the the math because it was about it should have been about one twenty a hundred and twenty. Uh huh. But it's funny because I did I forgot that we were serving it morning and night. Okay. So by the morning, I made probably like maybe three four gallons of it. 
Okay. And I was already down to like the last of it towards the end of the night. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah. I get I gave yours in the day. So you got because if I didn't see you in the day, you probably would have never got it in the night because it was just so popular. And I think what made it popular was the whipped cream. The whipped cream. Oh yeah. yeah. So I also put cacao, unsweetened cacao. So the unsweetened cacao mixes well with the whipped cream because it kind of dulls down the whipped cream, so it's not so sweet. Okay. And it's kind of like this, because when you start eating the whipped cream, it has like this bitter palate on your tongue, like you yeah, feel like this, yeah. this thickness on it, but it's sweet when it comes in. And I made about three, four gallons, and I was in my my other bartender. I was like, "Damn, like I think we're gonna sell out tonight. Like I don't know if we're gonna be able to do this." And I literally had to skimp, start skimping it little by little. Because yeah, I was, say, I was just, just start going serving out. smaller portions, right? Yeah, yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do, but. Yeah, I got a lot of comments on that. You know, a lot of people were, they were really impressed with the cocktail. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is what won, you know. But then you have like, we had some of our other competitors there as mm -hmm. well, right? Which is really great about this competition was all the camaraderie, mm -hmm. you know. Like this morning, I don't know if it was this morning or it was yesterday, but Addie, Addie Alonzo was uh, commenting and uh, she was saying that she wanted a rematch, a rematch yeah. for the for the tropical shakedown. Yeah, because I told her, I told her, uh, oh yeah, I said, because I said, hey, I'd love to have you here. Uh -huh. So she commented on a video that I recorded with our friends Los Pacalolos, which mm -hmm. is a surf band, and um, we recorded a podcast and some YouTube stuff and some Patreon stuff here over mm -hmm. the weekend, and I did an Instagram live during one of our breaks, and Addie commented on there like. You know something, and I said, "Oh yeah, I still want to have you on the on the show." Her and Crystal, right? They mm -hmm. were both competitors in mm -hmm. in Tropical Shakedown, and she said, um, "Yeah, I'd love that." And I said, "Oh yeah, by the way, Sonny's coming tomorrow." And she said, "Tell him I want a rematch." <laughs> no, like it was funny because after I won that night, my mentor was telling me, you know, they now that since I've won and that everyone's seen what I did, yeah. Everyone's gonna bring it to the next level because oh they now, all said something yeah they've all said oh yeah I know what I'm gonna do next yeah. time or oh yeah I learned a lot from this one they all said that Addie told me that Crystal told me that Dane told me that they yeah. all said oh yeah I learned a lot from this one next time I know what I'm gonna do no Ed it, it, it's funny because I feel like I I'm very competitive as well but I also know that sometimes you gotta like take a uh, I sit back and really analyze everything, see everything, yeah. and be ready for the next one because you can never get comfortable. Because I'm, I one of my goals is to be one of the most innovative and best bartenders in the world and really change the game, yeah, yeah, and bring a whole new thing to it. And you know, you can't, you got to keep evolving in it. For me personally, and just knowing that what I did inspired others to do their own thing and make their own cocktail their own way. Is gonna make the game even better because now I have to elevate it to another level to to make sure I win again. How long have you been bartending? Um, so I started bartending right at 21. I'm 24 now, and it's funny because I've never worked in a tiki bar. Yeah, I've only worked at two bars. Yeah, but what made me different was I was able to absorb everything. I've worked with every type of bartender, from army bartenders to tiki bartenders to whiskey bartenders, to nightclub bartenders. So I was able to learn and digest everything really fast. And I, I fell in love with it. So, And you have really three years is really just a blip. Like you haven't really been bartending that yeah. long. And you're already like 
your 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 A game is is out there, you know. So what you're doing now is you're creating these cocktails that's making people notice, and you're making them better because they're trying to keep up with you. Yeah. Right? So that's that's pretty cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And yeah. I also owe it to my dad because I've been actually because I've only been bartending for like three four years. Yeah. But I've been working at restaurants since I was twelve. Okay. You know, and uh, I first started. I remember first working. So this is back in the day when they didn't have cameras and I would actually go in to work with my dad at Supermax. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was funny because I love Supermax. <laughs> I, I think it's the best like if you're trying to find fast Mexican food, I love it. Not gonna lie, it's pretty good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember just going behind the bar and like making um virgin mango smoothies and cause I, I worked at the one at, in Irvine. And it was funny. That's the one I would eat at because I really? used to work in Irvine. Really? Yeah. Um, you guys would serve the um, full size tortillas. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 For nachos, it were full size tortillas. Okay. Yeah. And that's small world because my dad would take me to go work over there. And it's funny when we would make our tips, I would use the tip my tip money to uh, buy fireworks. Because you're a kid, you don't know. You, right, know, right. you get me? Yeah. So, and then I started working at a, an official restaurant, actually getting a paycheck at 18. Okay. And I started as a host. Funny story was my first day I was busing and I had no non-slips. I had no pants. I had to wear these really baggy slacks. And these dress shoes that had no grip. So I'm slipping, busting everywhere, and busting the plates, and I'm slipping everywhere coming into the kitchen. The GM ends up loving me. I used, I worked at Bobo Kitchen Rooftop in Long Beach on Pine. Okay. And she asked me, do you want to be a dishwasher for five days or host for two days? And I was like, well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll host because I wanted to be friend of the house. Right. And then she told me, okay, you start this day that day and i get to the whole scent i remember seeing the bar for the first time and it was one of the best bartenders that worked there and i see him uh double shaking and i was like wow like one yeah, day i'm gonna yeah. do that so from 18 to 21 i grinded all those years just going up the the hierarchy basically host yeah, buster, yeah, food runner yeah. server and then climbing the ladder to yeah get, to get behind the bar and I was supposed to become a supervisor slash manager, but I took t too long to say yes. Oh. So months passed. I became a fine dining server. And then they find they text me one day. They're like, "Oh, you want to bartend? Are you ready?" They asked me. Yeah. And what I learned from my first mistake was not taking the opportunity right away. Okay. So I was like, "Yes," even though I didn't know anything. I did not know. I didn't even know what. I didn't even know that uh, mojito came with rum. I thought it came with tequila. Oh, okay, yeah. When I first started bartending. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember saying yes, and then it was just from there, at 21, it became my life. Yeah. Man, I don't even know where to start now. So I got a bunch of questions for you in that regard. So did you start as a barback? Did you go right into bartending? I, barbacking is the only thing I, I have never done in front of the house. Okay. So, But I bust and I served. So I knew kind of, you know, how it, it works to clean, refill ice, but I didn't know how syrups and garnishing work like that. So, and I told them that I knew already. Right. So when I, I never, huh? <laughs> Fake it until you make it. No, I mean, look, I'm not saying you got to lie, but I'm just saying if the opportunity comes. Hey man, so that's, 
that's what I do, you know, fake it till you make it, right? Like when I started this, I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't know anything about any of this. You mm -hmm. know, I learned along the way. And if you listen to those old episodes, they're kind of cringy, but they're out there. And then, you know, same thing with the YouTube when I started doing the videos, same thing, mm -hmm. learning about gear, learning about editing, learning about whatever, you know, working with brands, working with clients, working with technology, you know, so yeah, fake it till you make it, you know, that's sometimes that's, that's just how it is. It's, it's like a lot of the jobs in the world today are not taught in schools. Like, you know, here's the thing though, about like bartending. And this is a weird thing about bartending. Mm. I, let me ask you this because okay. there is bartending school. There is. Right. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> um, you know, I was speaking, I was speaking to, a coworker of mine yesterday, a few nights ago. He was like, yeah, I went to bartending school and I asked him, did you learn anything? He was like, I learned jack shit. And okay. I was just like, I feel you, dog, because I look at the videos, I look at like the YouTube videos and, you know, I consider myself a very like high-end craft bartender. Sure. So, you know, I'm staying away from the sweet and sour mixes. I'm sure, staying away sure. from all that fake stuff. And then even like that spouts that they use ain't really good spouts. And just seeing that, I just feel that if you go to bartending school, I don't think you should go. I think it's a, it's something that. So here's why I'm asking. Okay. And I don't mean to interrupt you. Okay. But so you're a new new kid coming up in the bar. You didn't even learn by bar backing first, yeah, right? No. You, they just threw you behind the yes. bar. You start learning by making cocktails, making drinks and all that stuff, right? You know, like when you look at this world that we're in with these craft cocktail bartenders or uh, quote unquote mixologists, it's almost like a, how would I say this? Like a, like one of these like gourmet chefs. Mm -hmm. And they're celebrated for where they went to school. Yes. So-and-so went to the Cordon Bleu, mm -hmm. and he, he studied under this person mm -hmm. and that person, and he worked his way through this, and he has a master's in culinary arts. Mm -hmm. But if you do the same with bartenders, <laughs> he went to you know the so-and-so bartending school. Everybody's like, ah! No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's you know hilarious. I mean? It's funny that you say that because... Because they don't want you trained in a school... They want you training in the bar, yeah. but that would never fly in the kitchen. And they don't want you learning in the kitchen. They yeah. want you coming into the kitchen knowing something, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the best restaurants would never just pull some kid and say, all right, we're going to teach you. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They, they'll send you to culinary school. Yeah. Like Gordon Ramsay pays his you know, competitors on MasterChef mm -hmm. to send them to culinary school to, to learn, right? But- you can't do that with bartenders. Why is that? What you know is it? Why is it different? I'm just curious because, like, there's a lot of differences in that. Not even just that. Like, we have all of these celebrated chefs. Like, you can probably name, you know, four or five of them. Like, I named Gordon Ramsay, um, Marco Pierre White, yeah, Anthony Bourdain. Um, yeah, you could name a few of them, right? Fraser. We know, we know a few. We know, we know the ones that are on um, Iron Chef. We know yeah. the ones that are on Chef's Table. We know all, you know, the different shows, uh, Robert Irvine, and all that kind of stuff. But you can't name the same amount in bartenders. You we can. do. We can because we're craft cocktail people, yes. right? So we can name our 
people, right? But they're all really kind of known just locally. Mm -hmm. There's only a few that maybe not even known so much nationally, right? It's like a different, it's a whole different world. Mm -hmm. But if I walked into your restaurant, they, they coexist. Mm -hmm. You have your gourmet chef in the back. You got your, your craft bartender in the front, mm -hmm. you being one of them. Like you coexist to run that business and make mm -hmm. it successful. But there's a whole different culture and attitude, mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know. Like, what, why is that? I still don't know. I can't figure it Look, out. I'm going to tell you this because I talk about what you, what you just said. I've been talking about this since I started working at The Socialist, which is my current job right now. Um, that job really helped me learning how to work under a lot of pressure, and it helped me find myself in the bar. Not speaking at that bar, I'm talking about in general, I'm speaking in general, because I say, so I, I'm a little crazy sometimes. I, I really think out there, I, I think very outside the box. Right. Um, first thing is, going into that question, what I think is that culinary just has been elevated so high that they kind of forgot about the bar. You know, because when you see videos on YouTube, you don't they don't talk about the front of the house. They don't talk about the hostess, the maitre d'. They don't talk about the server. They don't talk about the general manager. They always talk about the chef. They talk about the sous chef. They talk about the chef de cuisine. Right, right. They talk about the because that's what interests people. Right. The creativity right. aspect to it. And I believe that the reason why that's more respected is because of the public of the way it changed the world, of the way culture is in food, how love is in food in a spiritual sense, even right, right. on how food can make someone happy. You get me? Not saying alcohol can, but people are just focused on food so much. Yeah, you know, I've talked about this with other people too. Like, we when we think about food, right? It's not just a, a form of sustenance. It's all of our life celebrations are centered mm -hmm. around it, right? When when we're celebrating a birthday, we go out to eat. When we celebrate a graduation or anniversary, like, where are we going to go eat, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're going to have something fancy or whatever, right? And the cocktails are always secondary, you know? Mm -hmm. Even though, like, you know, I'm going to have a good drink. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to have, like, a, you know, like, I want to go to a fancy place and get, like, a fancy cocktail. Mm -hmm. And then there's also that kind of, like, weirdness because then i'll go to a place like i went to a place in um hawaii and um god what was that chef's name i could i could picture his face anyways a japanese chef that was also an iron chef and um a fancy japanese restaurant fancy dining fancy food and the cocktails were marginal and I was really disappointed yeah. because I went down there and we had the fanciest meals and I looked at their cocktail menu and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. No, that, that that's that's how it is in a lot of places. And it's funny because I had a guest come into my bar and they asked me because I was telling them I want to go to L.A. and bartend. I feel that's my next step to, to get to that level because they're t speaking how, how, oh, like, why don't you go work at a steakhouse? Or why didn't you go work at like a high end? And I was telling them, well, those type of places are more focused on food and hospitality. They're they don't really you're care. You're absolutely right. Yeah, they don't care about the mixology. They don't care about, they just want to make, they want to make a blueberry, like blueberry sidecar. Right. And then that call it a day. They don't want to put any type of 
love and attention and patience into it where food no. is food like is all these high-end places like their fancy drink is a lychee martini yeah they're making a martini and yeah. pouring lychee juice in yeah it, you know and you know it's i'll drink it but it's not the fancy crafted cocktail yeah. that i would expect you know which is disappointing because if i'm gonna go to a steakhouse or seafood you know, have like a, a nice seafood dinner or a nice steak dinner mm-hmm. and I want to have a really good cocktail, the closest I'm really going to get is if I if I get an old-fashioned that's made properly. And even half the time, they can't do that. <laughs> and the problem with that is because we became... So the bar, I'm going to segue into the bar. The bar has become so saturated with random-ass cocktails. It's not anymore... So when you train a bartender, it's like, I say, I, when I train people, I say the most important thing, you got to train the bartender well and efficient and with time. You know, it's hard because good teachers don't come by often, right? And when a restaurant is training bartenders, they're not training them how to do the classics correctly. And the classics, months and years and and just years go by and... Classic cocktails are slowly just going, the quality goes down because no one's teaching these bartenders the right way. You know, but if it was in the back of the house, you know, everyone's going to learn how to make pasta the right way. Everyone's going to learn how to make meatballs the right way. But for some reason, when you go to somewhere, the old fashioned does not does not taste well. Right. Do you think also that the whole bartending school thing is looked down upon because a bar wants you to be fresh? They don't want you to have like the wrong things already embedded in your head you know like you said using sweet and sours Mm -hmm. and you know muddling maraschino cherries (laughs) for the old-fashioned yeah (laughs) you know uh so i've seen old fashions made with orange wheels and maraschino cherries muddled i don't don't even know that i didn't even know that existed i've seen it i've had it you know but um so do you think that's what it is? They just want you to come in fresh, like as a clean slate and train you so that you're learning things the right way? Yes, because, you know, not everyone is going to be as lenient or open-minded, right? Some mm-hmm. more, you're dealing with so many personalities, right? Their egos right, are involved, right. their heart's involved. And not a lot of people are going to want to... It's not going to be easy to... You can't teach someone the same way you teach someone else, right? Right. So it's better to train someone that worked within the restaurant. Because if someone told me they went to bartending school, I wouldn't hire them for that. Right. You know, I would rather hire the the food runner, the server that has some type of knowledge and has some type of know what they're doing and I can train them properly. Not saying I'm not going to train the bar, the person that went to bartending school is just bartending school is so Mickey Mouse right yeah, it's yeah, just not yeah. high quality and my goal is i was i tell people i want to create a word because I, I like misologist but i just feel like if there was a cool word like chef for bar for the bar yeah you know i feel that creating that word is gonna be more respected right and yeah because that mixologist term is is it's, i'm not the only one right so no you're not the only one yeah i knew i was it's a little it's a little overused like and it's it doesn't really it doesn't really hold like we know what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. but everyone's calling themselves mixologists yes you 
the the people who are on Instagram and they're and they're putting they're putting like five citruses and just tequila and lime juice and calling it a drink. They have like fifty thousand views. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel that I really want to create. One of my goals is to create a word like chef, but for the bar. And my goal is to elevate the bar to that level of that the drinks are, you you know, you can go somewhere at a high-end restaurant, not even a high-end, even like upscale casual and still have one of the best drinks in town or in the right. city or in the in the state because there's so many places where it's just not that anymore. Right. So talking about Create, I want to talk about your cocktails because you created Lover's Rock mm-hmm. for Tropical Shakedown, which is the first drink I've ever had from you, which is... Excellent. And I had all this backstory and everything in, in there. So let me ask you, not specifically about that drink, but just your cocktails in general. Tell me about your creative process. Like, how do you come up with a cocktail? And is it typically the, the same approach every time? Or and if it's not, what are some of the approaches that you've done to, to come up with some of the drinks that you serve? So I do have a base... So one of my secrets that I use in bartending, I do have a base ratio I use for certain drinks. Not not for certain drinks, for a lot of wide range drinks because a lot of bartenders do three quarters, 0.75 ounces, 0.75 ounces, and then 0.5 ounces. Those those ratios. Those are the golden ratio. Yeah, yeah. but I use a different ratio. I never stick to that ratio because my theory is- that's the ratio I use. I'm not a bartender, yeah, but- yeah. But I use that ratio because for me, it's easier to remember and mm-hmm. it's it's almost foolproof. Yeah. You know, you can almost come up with a good mm-hmm. drink every time. But tell me yours. Uh, is it a secret before you? You sh- see, I, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the knowledge. Oh, you know, look out! You know, look out! I'm not, I'm not someone you know. At least they know they know who it came from. Right. But and I want to inspire people. I want to teach people. You know, right. I, I would say this to someone that I was training. So make why not people, tell you? Make people better. So when I do my margaritas. I do one ounce lime, one ounce agave, or one and a half ounces of agave, and then I do two to three quarters, 0.5 or 0.75 the liqueur, and then two ounces of the spirit. Not okay. a lot of bartenders are going to do one ounce, one ounce. Not Probably like 80 to 70% of them are not going to. I've only seen two bartenders do that. And so that's how I approach the cocktail, right? If I'm making you know something on the whim, something fast, I'm busy, so they want something new. But my creative process is, say that I'm really trying to create something original. I start seeing what I like, and I start remembering what I've eaten from the day I was born to now. Okay. What I've tasted, what i smelled, even what I hold. Because, you, know, you know, who doesn't like kind of like a heavy glass, right? Right. So... The process is just, you know, I'm going to tie it back into the Lover's Rock, where that process took me about five to six months because I was already creating a cocktail, a rum cocktail before the competition. But I was just creating something because I wanted to. Right. And then when I got, I've been given the opportunity to do it, the creative, the creativity just started to seep in because... Now I had a goal, right? It had to be tiki. And now I had the list of what it needed. It needed to be balanced. It needed to... So I really like when people tell me what they like. Uh, or like you give me 
you give me like a bunch of puzzles, mm-hmm. like I'll make something for you. That's why okay. I say I can make anything out of nothing because, you know, I'll find a way to make that lime juice taste like something else. Or I'll find a way to make that simple syrup or that pineapple to be roasted, to be charred, to be washed, right, to be a shrub, right, right. to be a botanical of some sorts. And I start seeing, okay, in my head, I start seeing the color, the taste, the comparison, the opposites, for example. And then I just Google a lot of things. For example, when I Google, what's the opposite of Fernet? Because I love Fernet. I even have a tattoo of it on my bicep. Oh, nice. Um, the opposite of Fernet, Fernet is actually cinnamon. Cinnamon is the opposite of mint. Okay. And then if you're creating drinks... It's so easy to. We have technology nowadays, right? We I don't have know to know that. Yeah. Wow. If you Google things, you can just look. You can find ways to make your own things. So I'm learning something new. All yeah, right. it, and I learned off of that because I Googled it. Right. And you know that's how I make drinks. I, I'll, I'll do my research. What goes with what? For example, grapefruit. Grapefruit goes excellent with salt. Okay. And I'm trying to create an old fashioned with grapefruit and salt right now. I'm still getting the kinks out of it. So I'll also find inspiration and so that's the analytical side of it, right? I'm researching taste, smells. Now I start looking from within. And I love creating cocktails that are just crazy, absurd. You wouldn't find it anywhere else. That why would that go with that? I just like really extending the line of thinking out of the box yeah Yeah. thinking out of the box being like unorthodox being Mm -hmm. different yeah yeah i i respect that so along that line so let's think about the drinks that you like to enjoy yourself so thinking about what you like to make and what you like to serve is it the same as what you like to enjoy for yourself because for me so when i make Drinks like when I have mm-hmm. guests here, like again, I'm not a bartender, mm-hmm. so I like to keep it simple for myself. And as somebody that's a home bartender, I think I know more than the average person or mm-hmm. the average home bartender because I'm an enthusiast of cocktails, mm-hmm. right? I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, a crafted cocktail, like a really well-crafted cocktail, is like walking into an ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Like if you walk me into the Ghirardelli ice cream shop or Swenson's or something like that, I want to try all of them. Mm-hmm. I, it's, they're all desserts to me, mm-hmm. right? And it's not the booze. It's the balance. So I'm not someone that enjoys spirits per se. I'm someone that enjoys somebody that does something really creative and delicious with those spirits i don't drink cocktails to get drunk Mm -hmm. i drink cocktails for the enjoyment of Mm -hmm. the balance and the creativity Mm -hmm. right but as somebody that and that's why i like to say that i think i know more than the average person because Mm -hmm. it's something that i just really really enjoy Mm -hmm. but as somebody that doesn't work in that field Mm -hmm. when someone comes here and I make drinks for them, or if I'm at a party and I'm guest bartending, I just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I use a golden ratio. I use the, um, you know, uh, equal parts tart and sweet, mm-hmm. and and then double that for the spirit, mm-hmm. and make it as simple as I can. You know, so what I like to make is completely different than what I like to mm-hmm. enjoy. What about you? I'm gonna have to agree with you as well because I'm the same way. I like making literally 
complicated drinks. I love making sours. I love sours. I, you can make anything a sour and the drink will be bomb. I like making sours and I also like making any uh, a stirred drink. Okay. I love making something that is very... Not a lot of citrus in it. You know, I like making... I like working with a lot of liqueurs, learning how to bounce off of one another and then having the spirit in there because I feel when you stir a drink, you can still taste the spirit. I'm very, I'm very, my favorite types of drinks are spirit forward drinks, right? You know, I don't mind a sweet drink. I don't mind tiki drinks. I don't mind, you know, other drinks. But what I love making is sours, Miscal sour, a gin sour, a whiskey okay, sour. Okay. Even even my tiki drink, Lover's Rock, it has egg white in it. Right. You know, is it a traditional sour? Not, no, but there's egg white in it to give it See, that See, I, I never pegged it as a sour. Yeah. Lover's Rock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a tiki drink. It is, it is, yeah, it is. that's a tropical. And that's why I don't, I don't really call it a sour, even though there's yeah, egg white yeah, in it. But okay. I just love making sours, and then I love making stirred drinks, right? You know, you got... You know, I love drinking old fashions. Okay. So. I love stir drinks too. Again, as long as they're balanced. Yeah. I love going to a new bar. Okay. That has some really creative drinks. I get so excited because like I said, it's like walking into a candy shop mm-hmm. for me. It's not the booze. It's not about getting drunk. Mm-hmm. To me, it's about like, oh man, like when you get a good guy behind the stick that really knows his stuff, knows his spirits, knows how to balance things out, knows how to make something that's that's so balanced that there's no one thing that's like, you know, mm-hmm. everything works in harmony. I just love that, you know? It's like it's like a beautiful song or you know, a beautiful sunset. I, I know it sounds like super tacky. I know people are like listening to this and, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, really, that's that's what it is. I, mm-hmm. Imagine going to a five-star restaurant and just having this, this, this beautifully made gourmet meal. Like every course complements the next. Mm-hmm. And every course complements the previous. And then... When you walk out of there, you're not like, you don't have this food coma. You don't feel like, you know, all bogged down with the rock in your stomach, mm-hmm. you know, or you don't have this paste in your mouth from something that was overly sweet for dessert. Mm-hmm. Like you walk out of there just having this kind of feeling of like satisfaction and just, it's kind of blissful, you know? And that to me, like a really great cocktail does that for mm-hmm. me, you know, I know it sounds super tacky, but and pretentious, but I don't know, man. Like I've had a lot of bad drinks, you know, and I'm also at a point in my life where, like, I believe my palate has evolved enough to know what I like, what I don't like, mm-hmm. and if someone's faking it, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I've had those. Like I said, sometimes if I'm at a fancy place, the the closest I'll get to a matching cocktail is an old fashioned, and even then they can't make it right. No, and it's. It's sad because, you know, you're at this place, the place is dope, you know, the food's bomb, the service is great, but when you get that drink, the margarita just sucks. It, there's no lime juice mm-hmm. or there's like no simple syrup. There's, it's because I really think because there's no love in it. There's no love behind it anymore. Passion. 
Yeah, and yeah. you know, talking about the, the food, you know, when people are making the food, there's more more people who cook. There's more passion behind it, but I've noticed that also when people go into bartending, you're asking like, why is that? I think I believe in the earlier ago or a few yeah, yeah. few moments ago, you were asking. You still don't know why? I think because sometimes when people become bartenders, they're not. They're just looking at it from not a creative standpoint. They're just looking at it as making money or just they're just looking at it as you know the highest position i guess in the front of the house right or the best or easiest position they're not looking at it wanting to create they're not looking at it to make their own drinks their own bomb drinks there's no like you said there's no passion behind it no passion yeah all right so moving forward i want to tell people a little bit more about you right so we're talking about cocktails we're talking about what we like to drink, what we like to make, and our backgrounds in that, right? And your background as well. But there's more to you, man. You got a bunch of layers that, <laughs> thank that you, I thank learned about Yeah, <laughs> that I think our listeners would find interesting. So when you won Tropical Shakedown, yes. you got this giant medallion. I did, right? yes, yes, yes. It's like the size of a, of a dinner plate. I know. Right? I, I eat off of it every night. <laughs> dinner plate hanging around your neck with a giant gold chain. Which I thought was kind of cool. And when I took photos of you with it, you held your fist up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so let's lead in with that. Let, let's okay. tell people, like, what what is it about you that most people probably wouldn't know? So I do uh, martial arts. I do um, karate, jiu-jitsu, and then I barely started doing Muay Thai. Okay. And I did the fist up because that's what you, that's what that's you what do. you do. That's, that's how you, you do. Yeah. That's how you pose when you yeah. win a match or you, something. You do right? the even when you take pictures of the people or you do it before the fight. Right. That's just the signature. You, that's pose. just that's just the thing you do. And I started actually competing in tournaments before I did bartending tournaments. Okay. So I already had experience in fight in fighting and fighting grown men. I already had a, <clears throat> I already had experience in high pressure situations and being and being in a contest with other people who are competitive, right? And I also have experience in losing and in winning. And I actually won a Long Beach karate tournament two or a year ago. Okay. And all that really taught me how to bring it into the bar because you got to be relaxed. You really, when you're, when you're in those type of situations, pressure yeah. and all that stuff. I remember interviewing you before the competition and I said, it's go time, bro. Are you, are you, are you stressed? Or I can't remember the word that I used. You feel the pressure and you just brushed it off. You're like, you're like, no, I'm cool, man. It's, it's going to be good. <laughs> no, yeah, it's in yeah. the video. Like yeah, if you yeah. watch it in the video, I forgot what yeah. you said, but, but you were like, no, no, no. We're like, it's all good. We got this, you know. No, and it's um. I meant. I mean, I'm mentally prepared for the competition. I, I was telling my my business partner, who is also um, one of my really good friends, Edwin Sanchez. We're actually creating a platform, but um, I was telling him, you know, I, we're very confident in ourselves. And when we made the cocktail, I already told him we already won. The night before, I, I was already practicing what I was gonna say. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. And I love it. So this is this is part of manifestation, right? Manifesting mm-hmm. what you want, you have to envision yourself winning. Yeah. Right. You gotta you gotta think that way because if you envision yourself losing, and you're preparing for defeat, 
you're never going to be victorious, mm-hmm. right? You're always going to have that mm-hmm. mindset. So that's pretty cool. I love that. But yeah, the martial arts is, it, it also helps me in my personal life. It just, it helps me stay in shape. It helps me stay healthy. It helps me just, and it helps, it helps me so much in bartending. You yeah. know, when, when I have 20 tickets flying, the servers are in my ear, the managers are in my ear, everyone's just, a guest is complaining because something was too spicy. Um, I'm kind of always like, I'm calm, right? right I'm always right. like, what do you guys need? I got this. We need ice. If my bartender, my other bartender needs help, I'll start bar backing. You right. know, if the server needs help, I'll bust their tables. I'll go make the drink, you know? Right, I've, right. The fighting just helped me so much. And with life and just being able to control myself, my emotions and stuff like that, because when you fight, you can't, it, you lose because you're in your head. Um, Mike Tyson's, I love Mike Tyson. So I draw a lot of inspiration from him. His mentor, Custom Auto, would always tell him that fighting is about 60 to 80% of your of your brain, of your head, right, of thinking. Right. So with that concept, I took it into the bar competition. I take that when I make drinks, you know. I yeah, take that when yeah. there's pressure, I'm able to smooth myself out and just really do my thing. And I love bartending, right? I feel when I, when I actually, so I have a funny story. Well, not funny. It's kind of like a weird story. At the competition, I was telling my friend after the few days passed, I was telling him, when I was working behind the bar, I really felt present. No thought. Oh, that's good. I felt like I, I felt like I had an out of body Like during the competition. Yeah. I felt that. I felt weird. I felt like I owned the bar. Oh, yeah. That's 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 part of that manifestation. Like you you put yourself there. You put yourself in that moment, you know, like yeah, this is this is mine. This is my competition to win. This is mine. Yeah, I'm taking home that medallion. <laughs> that big ass dinner plate. Right? It was it was it was so weird cuz it didn't hit me till a few days later that I won. And uh, you know, I was really thankful for the the fighting and then you know, also to my dad and my mom who've helped me with so much in learning the industry and even yeah, with life. Yeah. And my dad was actually, my dad, so I'm first generation. So my dad's from uh, La Ciudad de Mexico. Okay. And my mom's from Honduras. Okay. And they both started in the industry. And then my dad was just telling me, like, you got this. Like, don't stress about it. Like, yeah, you already yeah. competed and about, you've already fought like 10 people. Like this, this was like cakewalk because I don't have to fight anybody. Yeah. Like not having to fight anyone is a dream. Is yes, yeah. It's like yeah. like I get all I have to do is make drinks. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I always looked at people that fought for a living as man, what a way to earn a earn a living, man. Like I I'll see some dude just get the shit kicked out of him, and he comes over after and he's talking to a reporter, you know, like puffy eyes, eyes and, b- b- yeah lips, lips swollen, swollen. Blood out yeah scalp. and and i'll think like god what a shitty way to make a living you know but then you know this guy that god just got his ass kicked yeah. so what man he's a bad motherfucker man he'll kick my ass you no, know and and like, he'll kick most it. people's yeah, asses right and, and they love it and a ufc fighter doesn't pour your heat once said that you know he wouldn't wish that career on his worst enemy because it really is like that it's hard and it's not even just the, the fighting and taking licks and all that kind of stuff. It's even the training, you oh. know? I mean, the training in itself is so hard. The regimen, the diet, the regimen, the follow. dieting, like all of that stuff. If you had to earn a living just with that, just being 
the the rigorousness of just the training, most people would fail. Mm-hmm. And then add the fighting to that, right? Because that's only one component of being a fighter is the training. Then you add all of the fighting to that. And like, man, what a hard way to, to earn some money. And uh, so I get it, man. Like if you're competing, like, Oh, all I have to do is make a drink. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm a good fighter. Look, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not saying here. you're good or bad. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I get that perspective when you're like, oh yeah, I don't have to throw blows. I don't have to no, throw. Like, I, I just have to make a drink. <laughs> no, and it, it, it's funny because even when when I'm rolling, because I'm still a white belt in in jujitsu. Like, I'm not no one. My highest belt is in karate, and you know, I've even gotten my my first like armband in Muay Thai because I missed the training due to like because I went to mexico for cocktails and stuff like that right right but um yeah like not having to be in that high pressure it's true what they say if you're in an uncomfortable situation once you're in another situation you're able to just right kill it right you're just able to do your own thing because you've already been somewhere so much much worse right Right, and right that just also just helps me with everything yeah and even with my creativity because i try not to think so much because i'm thinking all the time Right. And I love the bar because I'm just so like present. I don't I'm not thinking, I'm just doing. I'm just tasting. Yeah. And with my roots from Mexico, Honduras, <laughs> I've such a I have such a wide background with spices and foods and taste and also being from Long Beach and then have having like African American homies and and Indian homies and, and and Asian homies, they have like all other foods that I could try and taste and I'm like, damn that's being able to bring that into the bar is awesome. That's a hell of a flavor palette to work with too, right? Oh, you can yeah, yeah. So much, right? Looking at all the different cultures and making something from that, it's um, it's it's like you have the world at your fingertips, you know, as a as a craft bartender. So, love that, love that. All right, so let's do some fun questions. Let's do it. I like to finish the I'm podcast ready. with some. Kind of like unorthodox questions, you know. People go in these interviews, and they're always asked about their career, and there's always they're always asked about their backgrounds and their training and all that kind of stuff. But I interview some people that always expect those kind of questions. Like when I interviewed Ed Hamilton, he always gets wrong questions, and I threw him a bunch of these questions, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh." This is fun. <laughs> so let's start with, I always start with the superpower question. The superpower, okay. If you could choose to have any superpower, what would that be? So just to help you think creatively, okay. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Okay. Here are some of mine. Okay. Number one, I'd love to be able to teleport. Okay. So if I want to have dinner in Hawaii, I can go and have dinner in Hawaii and then come back here and... You know, be back in my house mm-hmm. after a nice dinner. Or if I want to go to a specific place or event or whatever for the weekend, I could do that. Not have to get an expensive plane ticket and sit in a herd of people to get onto mm-hmm. a plane and take a 10-hour flight somewhere. So teleporting is one. Uh, I have four cats. I'd love to be able to communicate with them because sometimes they do some weird shit, you know, and I'd love to be able to ask them, why are you doing this? Why are you messing with your sister? Why are you doing it? Why did you crap on the rug? You know, Mm. I'd love to be able to communicate with my pets. And another one I'd really like is see whatever I want without getting fat. Because that's a problem. <laughs> uh, that that superpower would be phenomenal. <laughs> right? I'm not gonna lie, that's a pretty good power. I love flavor, right? We talked about 
that I love these cocktails because they're like desserts to me. Yeah. And the the unfortunate byproduct of of drinking everything in the menu is there's two things. You're going to gain weight and you're going to get drunk. And I don't want to drink and drive, you know. Mm-hmm. I I you know, at my age I don't like getting drunk anymore. I actually just enjoy the flavor mm-hmm. of the drink. The unfortunate thing about being able to eat whatever I want because I and I have a sweet tooth and I love desserts and all that kind of stuff is I get fat. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to eat whatever I want without getting fat. So those are some three examples of my okay. superpowers. What would you, what would you like? So if if I could have a superpower, right? I don't know if I'm in a world of other people with powers or I'm in a world. Oh, that's a great question. No one's ever. Ask you know, because I don't is, is it are we in a world of people with powers or am I the only one? You're the only one. I'm the only one. Yeah. Okay. Because then it wouldn't be a superpower if everybody else had powers. powers. Right. Okay, let me think about this. Okay, so if I had one power, it would be to absorb skills from other people, to mimic not Oh, that's yeah, a great one. one. You get me? That's a great one. And for example, if you've seen Heroes, I believe his name's Peter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peter, he's able to absorb other people's powers. That's a great one. So so for example, with you having you here and you making these awesome drinks, I just watch you and then now I can make awesome yeah. drinks. You would imagine. Imagine that that you can go somewhere and they you like shake Michael Phelps hand or you can swim like Michael Phelps. Right, right. Or, you know, you go, you you meet a chef, the best chef in the world, and boom, like that, you become the best chef in the world. Or, right. you know, architect. I have know, an expensive an architect, car yeah. repair. I just, like, go meet a mechanic. Yeah, and, and then, you just, and then, then yeah. I can fix it myself. It's life's cheat code. Yeah, that is. That's a, that's a great one. And then it would also work with animals. Yeah. You know, you, you touch a cat, you can start thinking like a cat. You can talk right, to the cat. Right. So it's kind of like this unlimited thing you can do. You know, you touch a tree, you can talk to the trees. Love that. Love that. All right, let's do another question. Question let's number two. If you could if you could choose to spend time if you could spend time with anyone dead or alive real or fictitious, who would you choose? So I'll throw out a couple examples again, just to help you think out of the box. I think it'd be fun to time travel with Marty McFly. Okay. Fictitious. I think it would be fun to smoke ganja with Bob Marley. Okay. Train with Bruce Lee. Okay. Uh, I'd love to go... I'd love to go... I'd love to meet like one of my relatives that have passed like a 10th grade grandfather or something okay. i'd love to spend a day with that person or even my dad who died like a dozen years ago i'd love to spend another day mm-hmm. with him um let's see let me think of someone real someone real maybe i'd love to go on a food tour with gordon ramsay okay i think anthony bourdain would have actually been fun too no that him, I was going to say him, but I'm not going to say him anymore because you already said him. So oh, did I take that from you? No, I'm it's sorry. fine. It's I'm my sorry. word. I'll think about someone you could else. Say, you could say the same thing. We could agree on that, right? That is true. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But um, let me know when. I'm done. I'm just, oh, I was just throwing out like. I, I got So you, I got I've you. asked this question a yeah. hundred times. And so I've, I've heard a hundred answers. Uh-huh. And 
and I always think about it. I can think about, I, I mean, again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I keep bringing names up. Okay. You know? So... So what about what about you? Fact or fictitious? Re- real or fictitious? Dead or alive? Dead or alive? <laughs> Ditch day with Ferris Bueller would be fun. Th- th- this is a little hard one. Um, okay, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do fact and fict- uh, real, and then fake. So real, that's past Anthony Bourdain. Okay. Just because I really liked his open mindedness and the way that he was such a rebel. He was someone that that just been around the world. You know what I liked about Anthony Bourdain? He was one of us. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't some unreachable celebrity chef mm-hmm. or some guy that was like you know, that was on a pedestal. He was just a dude that like you know, he was like he was like you and me, mm-hmm. right? He was a guy that worked in the kitchen. He wasn't some celebrated celebrity chef, and um, he got to where he was somehow, hung out at the same bars I hung out at, you know. Like, if you watch the show, mm-hmm. he, he went to Tiki Bars, and he went to Holes yeah. in the Walls. He wasn't, like, at some five-star. He was just another blue-collar dude, mm-hmm. you know. So that's one of the things I liked about him. Oh, here's a present one. I'd love to. I'd love to spend a day or, like— do a food tour with um Roy Choi. Okay. I don't know why I want to meet that I want to meet that guy so bad. <laughs> I, don't I don't know who that if is. If any of our yeah, listeners right. could could make that okay. happen, Roy Choi, he was the guy who started the the Kogi truck, the Kogi okay. food truck. Okay, okay, okay. So um yeah, he owns a bunch of restaurants like here in LA and one in Vegas and I've been to all of them like hoping to bump into him. I haven't seen him, so Oh, someone that I will. Okay, someone that I have. A, I have one more. All right. Okay, so one of my favorite artists of all time is Juan Gabriel. Okay. So he's. I a, don't know who that is. He's a he's a famous uh, Mexican singer. Okay. He passed a few years ago, but he, I love his music, and I would love to like have dinner with him, talk to him, and really just get to know him and 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 he's see a, the inspiration. He's a singer. Yeah, singer? he he was he's a singer and one of the he's very famous in Mexico. Sing karaoke with him. See, you already know. I mean, it's not gonna be as good, <laughs> but I, I can hit some notes. No, man, it's the quality of the hang, dude. Shit. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> He's a singer, right? Just go sing karaoke with him. All right. So you had just those are two: Anthony Bourdain and Juan Gabriel. And then I would do one more. I forgot. I literally forgot his name right now. Um, probably Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, go train with him, go on a run oh, with him. Oh, all right. It's, okay. Uh, you know, spar with him, even though he, he'll send me flying. One thing about me is I'm not scared like to train. I love training. All right. I love the sweat. I love the yeah. the push-ups. I love the the hitting the bag. I love the the grunting, the the how hard it is to do the workout. I would love to train with him because he was someone that really fought for what he believed in. What about yeah, you're right. That's why he changed his name. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? Like you said, you like Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. What about Mike Tyson? Would you like to train with him? Oh, you know, or Cuss? Cuss, actually. Cause You'd rather train with Cuss than Mike. I would, yeah, because Mike Tyson even talks about it that of how he, Cuss just changed his life. Yeah, and Cuss Amado really had this weird way of thinking that he really made him what he was in the ring and 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 you know i would love to see that type of guidance and advice i would get from him 
What about what are your thoughts about Freddie Roach? I will train with him too. I th- you know when when I see videos of him and you know Freddie Roach, Teddy Atlas, I I believe their the their training is you know. I forgot who said it, but they said that anyone can be a fighter, but no one can be a teacher. Yeah. And then just seeing those guys teach after even so long is dope. Freddie Roach trained so many champions. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, should we keep going? Yeah. We, we let's, can let's keep, keep going let's keep, another, let's keep another question. Let's just do, let's do, uh, let's do two more questions. Okay. So let's say... Um, if you could travel anywhere in time, when would you go? So these are my answers. Okay. I'd love to be there on the opening day of Don the Beachcomber. Okay. The guy who started the Tiki Bar, right? I'd love to be there. I'd love to be at the bar when Trader Vic invented the Mai Tai. Okay. I'd like to see how that happened, see if it was, the story is true or if it's bullshit. Okay. Um, I'd love to be at opening day at the Tiki Tea. Be at the bar when Ray made his Ray's mistake for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much more, right? There's so many things uh, in history. You know, one of the guys in Los Pacalolos just said he'd love to be there when his parents met. Mm-hmm. He'd love to see how that happened. Yeah. That, that's, wow, I thought that's kind of deep, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what about you? Like, uh, if you could travel anywhere in time. Anywhere in time. And I can go anywhere? Anywhere in time. Anywhere in the world at a specific time. Yeah. To any place or any event. Thrill in Manila. You know? Since you're a fighter. Um, you know, if I can go back anywhere in time, I would really... Or not even back. You can go to the future. You could okay. see... You want to see yourself in 20 years? You know? I feel like it would freak me out because I, I feel like it would mess up the future if I went into the future. Right. You know I mean? So, so you know, over here getting over here getting like serious. Um, if I can go back in time, I'm gonna go back in time because I look. You right, don't want right. to go to the future. So if we're going back in time, I would probably go back in time and meet my dad when he was young in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. And just, and just see how he is, and because I love my dad. My dad is my biggest inspiration. Yeah. He, yeah. he motivates me every day. And I would just love to see how he was when he was young and just hang out with him without him knowing I'm his son. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know the movie Back to the Future? Yes, it's you kind know, of like that. Yeah, just because the, the, the guy who wrote the, the screenplay mm-hmm. said that he stumbled across a photo of his dad's yearbook, like okay. his dad and his dad's yearbook. Uh-huh. And he thought, oh, my dad was a class president. I wonder if I would have been friends with him uh-huh. knowing that. It actually made him wonder, like, would we would we hang out? Uh-huh. And then it posed that question to me. I thought, like, hmm, would I hang out with my dad if if I were his age? And I think I would have. I think just – my dad was an alcoholic. Okay. But, you know, if I was young with him, I probably would have gotten drunk with him all the time. Mm-hmm. I probably would have, you know. Okay. He used to play pool and all that kind of stuff, you know. He said he he said when he was young, like he hated going to school. He'd go to the pool hall and he mm-hmm. would play pool and and drink with his buddies. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, yeah, that's something that I would probably do too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right. So let's do one more question. Last okay. question: If you could choose someone to play you in a movie, 
Anyone. That was a pretty good question. Play, I heard play, that one. play you a story about your life. Who would you choose? Danny DeVito. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> J-Lo. It could be J-Lo. <laughs> um, it was funny because, like, who doesn't love Danny DeVito? No, right. okay. Love but, Danny um, DeVito. It could be Arnold. <laughs> run. Run to the chopper. But, um, <laughs> go I, said, to I butchered that line. <laughs> no, um, I don't know the exact like, no, line. He's like, get back go to the, to the chopper. chopper. <laughs> the chopper. <laughs> get back. It's not a tumor. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, nah, so if anyone can play me in a movie, that's hilarious, though. Um, if anyone can play me in a movie... <laughs> Jackie Chan. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, he's I like love it. the opposite of me. I love so it. imagine him just with a wig, tall. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to wear a wig. I mean, like, he could just be... So this question comes from a scene okay. at the end of Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Did you okay. see that movie? No, but I know who Pee Wee Herman is. So he's like this nerdy like man child uh-huh. right and at the end of his movie Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure there's a scene where spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen this yet then that's that's on <laughs> you that's not on me it's a pretty old so, movie right? it's an old movie yeah. so there's a scene where the this whole adventure was made into a movie and I forgot who it was that played him in the movie but it was like some sex symbol like mm-hmm. a Tom Selleck type okay okay, right? okay. so uh I always say, you know, like my listeners are tired of hearing this. They don't think it's funny anymore. But I always say I'd pick The Rock to play me in a movie. Okay, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> the Rock? I think that's hilarious. I always, I always joke that, like, we're twins, right? So, with, the, with, the, with the Hawaiian shirt? Right, right. Well, yeah, he's like a buff, bald version of me. Right. right? <laughs> a buff, tall, fit, lean, charismatic so when we meet in our version movie, of me. When we meet, it's going to be Rock <laughs> and the Ryan Gosling. The Rock's going to be chasing Ryan Gosling's drink. No, the, we the can rock. make it happen. That's right. That's right. We can make yeah. it happen. We got to tag them in the comments right? so that we can yeah, I think, get I their think, attention. I think they'll do it next year, coming yeah. soon. We'll, we have to manifest that. We got to make that one happen. We do. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, shall we have some drinks? Of course. Of course. I am ready. I am ready. And so for all of our listeners out there, we are about to record some stuff for the YouTube. So... If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned. We're going to put a link in the description for the YouTube. Or check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop. Before I start wrapping all of this up, let's tell our listeners how they can follow you. Uh, anything that you want to tell them about, if you've got something that you want to promote, or if you want to talk about where you are bartending so that they can come in and try your drinks, anything like that, we can shout them out too. Uh, let's throw all your stuff out there. Sounds good. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Um, if you'd like to follow me, my Instagram is underscore man of the hour underscore underscore. And I also work at the socialist on fourth and cherry. That's the social list. list. Yeah, the socialist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The social list. list. <laughs> two words. Two words. Three three words? The socialist? The well, socialist. The, the socialist is two words, yeah. So, and I work in Long Beach, Long Beach, California. So that's where I um, reside and that's where I work at. If you want to come in and drink, I can make you anything. We also have a new bar so I can make tiki drinks now. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And so, and we're a whiskey bar too. So. I still got to find my way in there. I know I haven't been in there yet. So I apologize. No, no, you're fine. Whenever you I come apologize. in, I got I, I to gotta get in there and, and check out the bar and, and, and the cocktails and all that kind of stuff. I met your manager at the Tropical Shakedown 
competition. Yes, yes, yes. He was so happy for you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, <laughs> I feel like was, everyone, my homies got oh, more you drunk brought, than me. Dude, you brought your crew, man. Yeah, like, everybody was, yeah, was excited. Was they funny. were, You were all calm and cool, and they were jumping for joy, I was man. like, bro, relax. <laughs> it's not the first one. I love it. I love but, it. But, uh, no, and I just want to um, shout out the people that helped me, Edwin. Edwin Sanchez, I know you, you're going to hear this. Um, Jerry, Chris, Monica, my dad and my mom, and then just Angel, Andres, everyone that's, that went there and supported me. I want to shout them out. I want to shout out my bosses of the socialist, Diana. She's a great boss. And, you know, I just want to shout out my newest platform that I'm actually going to create by next year. My business partner, Edwin, and I are creating a artist platform called Ethos and Soul. Oh, love and it. we're going to be doing events and that type of jazz. Okay, so if you give me all that information, I'll put it in the de- description below okay. so that everybody can just click on that. And so we're going to do some YouTube stuff now. So again, if you guys want to check out the YouTube, check out youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop. If you want to help support the channel, we've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Polynesian Pop. And we're going to wrap this one up for now. But until the next time... Thanks again, Sonny. Sorry, and I forgot to shout out my friend Ty. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, shout out. Anybody else? Let's make sure we don't miss anybody. Nah, I think we're good. We're good. We're good. All right. All right. So here we go. We're going into cocktails. Until the next time, cheers and aloha, everyone. <laughs>